the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. podcast. That's right. I'm your host, Nick DeGilio, here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. How are you? It is episode 110. It is a Friday. Hope everybody had a lovely week. And uh, yeah, um, it's the Nick D Podcast. Uh, We're part of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, where you can hear some of the greatest and most entertaining and most varied and informative and awesome and funny podcasts ever. Check them out right here. Uh, radiomisfits.com uh, and please take the time to uh, rate and review us on every platform please give us feedback uh, discuss uh, you know what's happening at Radio Misfits as well I want to thank Jason Skaggs for uh, all the music and all the really cool stuff and Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits hey uh, you want to be a part of the show here's how you can do that you can be a sponsor we reach a lot of people with this podcast uh, if you got a business that you would like to advertise with us sales at radiomisfits.com great way to get hold of us if you would like to be a part of the nick d podcast with your comments and anything you want to say our voicemail system is open 24 7 and we want you to leave your voicemails we want to hear from you we want your feedback we want your questions we want your comments we want your suggestions we want anything anything you want to say the voicemail thing is open 24 7 773 417 6948 drop us an email 24 7 anything you want to say any questions you have anything nickdpodcast at gmail.com if you have a request for the magic megaphone you know how it is i speak a special message into the magic megaphone it goes out into the ether and you tell me what you want me to say anything you want to say inside joke kind of code a message to another person a joke a line from a movie whatever i'm a monkey i will say it into the magic megaphone it will magically be out into ether and we will talk about it so uh, tell me what you want me to say into the Magic Megaphone. We got that coming up a little bit later on. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. All right. Coming up on this uh, episode, Joe Ahern is going to join me. He is an actor and uh, a writer and a director um, and uh, has appeared in a bunch of TV shows and he's made some movies. His latest movie that he uh, co-wrote and directed and appears in is called The Disappearance of Toby Blackwood. It's a very entertaining movie. Uh, we're going to talk all about that and uh, all the uh, the other projects that he's done. And uh, this is a this is a really a really terrific movie. And it also features, by the way, the wonderful, the incredible, the hot, the lovely, my future ex-wife, Dana DiLorenzo, Kelly Maxwell from Ash vs. Evil Dead, and your favorite and my favorite, Dana DiLorenzo, is also in it. She's in a producer on this movie as well. So we're going to talk to Joe about the movie, where you can see it. It's very entertaining. It's really awesome. It's got an incredible cast and a lot of surprise cameos that are very, very cool. And my future ex-wife, the beautiful Dana DiLorenzo, is in it. But we'll talk to Joe, who uh, actually co-wrote and directed it and appeared in it as well. Esmeralda Leon is going to join us. Uh, She joins us all the time uh, during the show. We've got uh, more uh, Asian and incredibly weird flavored Kit Kat bars to taste test. 
Um, we've got a megaphone message that we'll get to, and we're going to talk more about celebrities who are very, very weird parents. So there you go. And also, we want to remind you that you got to get your tickets now for our next Zanies Live event. Now, Esmeralda's not going to be there. She's on vacation that week. She's going to be in Mexico. So the beautiful, the lovely Amy Guth is going to be my co-host that night. And if you've never met Amy Guth, you get a chance to meet her. She's fantastic. Used to, you know, used to be on WGN with me, wrote for the Tribune, hosts podcasts. She works in film. She's amazing. She's awesome. She's entertaining. She's smart and funny and great. She will be my co-host live. So you get to see the beautiful Amy Guth. She'll be my co-host. And it's Tuesday, February 21st, Zanies in Rosemont. That's our home base. We're going to do this every month, and we want to pack the place. So get your ass out there. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell everybody. Get your tickets, rosemont.zanies.com. Rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. Let's pack the place. We're going to give away a whole bunch of prizes and do some fun trivia. Um, we're, we've got uh, swag to give away. We've got Nick D, uh, Nick D Podcast t-shirts and Nick D Podcast coffee mugs, and we'll have dinners and all kinds of really cool stuff to give away. It'll be interactive. We'll do a taste test. And my special guest is going to be legendary comedian John DeCoss. He's going to join us live to be interviewed on stage. John is the musical director of the Steve Cochran Show on WLS, of which I am a regular as well. Every uh, Friday or every other Friday, you can hear me. I'm the film critic for the show, uh, for the uh, Steve Cochran Show on WLS AM, the Big Eight Ninety. Uh, so John DeCoss is going to be our special guest. My dad's going to get up and tell some jokes at the end because you know my dad's got to tell a joke, and he's killed both times that he's done it. And it's going to be great. It's interactive. Every time we've done this, the two times we've done this, we've had an absolute blast. Everybody that has come has had a good time. And if you haven't made it, you should come out. If you have come, you know how great it was, and you're going to come back again. So let's pack that place. Tuesday, February 21st, 7.30 showtime, 6.30 doors open. So 7.30, Tuesday, February 21st, Zanies and Rosemont, rosemont.zanies.com. You can call the box office at 847 813-0484. Get your tickets now. Let's pack the place. It's going to be a blast. Special uh, guest John DeCoste will be interviewed. And my partner that night will be the beautiful Amy Guth. It's going to be a fantastic night. You owe it to yourself to be there, and you'll be part of a live uh, uh, podcast recording. So make sure you're going to be there. It's going to be a blast. Zanies uh, in Rosemont on February 21st, starting at 730. It's going to be great. All right. Uh, well, I know that she is, uh, wants to go. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. All right, let's talk to Joe Ahern, who is the co-writer and director. Andy stars in a terrific new movie called The Disappearance of Toby Blackwood. We're going to talk all about that and a lot more right after I tell you that you need to be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah, don't be a jagoff. I would like to now welcome to the podcast uh, the co writer, the director, and one of the stars of a new uh, little film called uh, The Disappearance of Toby Blackwood. And I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before because uh, my future ex-wife, as you know her, uh, uh, the, the great actress from Ash vs. Evil Dead and so many other things, and she is my future ex-wife, been on the show so many times, Danny DiLorenzo, she's in it, and she's not only in it, but she actually has an associate producer credit on this thing. And I watched it, and I loved it, and she's like, well, you should have 
the director and the co-writer and the star on your podcast? And I said, yeah, I think I will. And that is Joe Ahern. And I wanted to welcome uh, Joe to the podcast right now. Joe, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on, Nick. That's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I really enjoyed the movie, man. I really did. Um, uh, you know, I thought I thought Thank it was a, I thought it was unique and original, um, and of the time that we live in, very much so. Um, but before we jump into that, let's get your background a little bit. Now, um, you are an actor. Uh, it, did you meet Dana on Perpetual Grace? Is that how you met her? Or we um, Dana and I met. Um, she used to bartend at this uh, bar in uh, Los Angeles called Beer Belly. And a lot of friends, uh, my wife and I have a lot of friends who worked there and we became pretty fast friends. You know, Dana's uh, hilarious. So we, you know, became quick friends. And uh, I made this web series years ago and um, I had seen her in some stuff and I knew how funny she was. So I asked her if she wanted to play a role in this web series. Uh, my friend uh, Dylan Tannis and I made called Driving Arizona. And um, sure enough, she uh, she wanted to be a part of it played a role and she was hilarious. And then she went off and got cast in Ash vs. Evil Dead right after that. So we Damn didn't see her, her for, a, uh, yeah. Damn her? yeah. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't see her for like, it felt like a couple of years cause she was in uh, New Zealand. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but yeah, we, we kind of reconnected once she got back, my wife and I, and um, yeah, so we, we've been friends for, geez, probably since 2014, I would say. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's around the time when I, uh, kind of met her around around 2015 or so is when I met her but we had connections because she spent a significant amount of time here in Chicago um, that's right yeah worked as a producer on some radio stuff and did some local stuff here and some local shorts and stuff like that and we ran in a in a lot of the same circles but we never met which is really strange um, but yeah we met after because I do a, a horror convention I host a horror convention uh, here in Chicago um, and she came to one of the cons uh, you know to to you know, to do the con for Ash versus Evil Dead because, you know, she's Kelly Maxwell. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and she had been on my show a couple of times. And so we've 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 been friends uh, ever since then. And she is my future ex-wife. If you ask her, that's uh, that's, that's what she told me. Yeah, yeah she yeah, she yeah. told me. <laughs> and she and she said that you and I would get along famously. She she actually would text me or talk to me and say, hey, I can, I'm so happy that you're going to have Joe on. Uh, you guys have so much in common. Um, that in fact, and this is what she said, in fact, that like he might be the best man at our wedding and <laughs> then he might be the big witness at our divorce because that's how it's. Oh, going. there you go. So uh, one well, of the things she said to me that like, I guess we have like and you mentioned this in the email that we sent back and forth to set up the interview. Um, my favorite movie of all time is Magnolia. Now, is this something that we should we should briefly discuss here? Uh, it's probably in my top five. I, I, you know, as like most people, I love P.T. Anderson, but that one really holds a special place in my heart. Is uh, what's the runtime like? Three hours and eight minutes. I've probably That's seen exactly it th right. It's three hours and yeah. eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've seen it uh, probably thirty to forty times. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, that opening of that movie is one of the most dynamic openings and just such a, an amazing introduction to that, to that, you know, what's about to unfold over the next three hours. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely love that movie. Me too, man. And everything that you've said, I agree with. I, and I've seen it hundreds of times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I, I interviewed um, John Rudninsky. I have a separate podcast 
uh, an SNL based podcast where I talk about Saturday. Night okay. Live. Yeah. And I had John Raninsky on who spent a season on SNL and he was in town here. Yep. At, uh, and, uh, you know, John, or you know of his work or I, I don't know. I used to work for the, uh, the writer, uh, TV writer, Greg Garcia and John, ah. I think had, had come in, uh, to audition a couple times. He's yep. a really funny dude. Yeah, and he's great, and he's and and uh, I saw him. Uh, you know, we we recorded an interview for my SNL podcast, and it went really, really well. And uh, so I went to see him um, uh, at at Zany's, which is a local comedy club here in Chicago. And he killed, and it was great. And I met him afterwards, and I was like, "Hey, let's get a picture." And I pulled my phone out, and uh, I was tooling around with my phone and uh, my screensaver. The image on my screensaver is the Magnolia one sheet, is the poster for Magnolia. And oh, he goes, nice! And he goes. Dude, is Magnolia? Is that your screensaver? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's my favorite movie of all time. And I was like, oh my god! So now it's like two weeks in a row now. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> wow! The Magnolia fans are coming out of the woodwork. Uh... Yeah, it's a it's a special one. I I think I, when I first moved out to Los Angeles, like 13 or 14 years ago, whatever it was. Now, I went to Amoeba Records, and uh, the first poster I got for my living room apartment, um, which I lived on, you know, the living room, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, was a, was a Magnolia poster. It was it was a special. It was like it was the I don't know that it's it's the normal one sheet. It's it's the it's just a shot of the blue sky with frogs yeah. falling from it. And yeah, um, yeah that it was. Uh, yeah, that's my that's my uh, that's my text background. So my regular. Oh, there you go. My, my, oh, wow. my regular <laughs> is the po- and I've got the one sheet. I'm looking at it right now. I've got the the one sheet framed in my apartment right now. I'm looking at it right now. But yeah, no, that's my favorite movie of all time. Just uh, I, I love it. Yeah, it's I amazing. love it. So uh, moved out to Los Angeles. You where are you originally from? I'm from, I grew up in Boston, um, just outside of it in a, a little uh, city called Medford. And then I, uh, my parents moved us all the way 20 minutes down the road to a town called Bedford. So I moved. Oh, like, no, come on. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yet weirdly, like in the 20 minute drive, my accent became diluted over the years. It's That's I'm fantastic. not even joking. Yeah. Is that right? Um, Seriously? What, there, yeah. There's, oh, yeah. There's that yeah, big a one, difference. 20 minutes apart. There's that big a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And my parents, my parents grew up in Cambridge um, and they, they still have very thick Boston accents. But when I, when I moved, I, when I went to, I moved around a little bit in high school. I went to a, a high school in New Hampshire. I played a little hockey up there. And so like over the years, my, my accent just became, you know, it kind of just became a little more diluted. And then yeah. I went to college in Arizona and, but every time, every time around family and friends from Boston, my wife always says it, it comes out. Yeah. Or um, she says when I'm stuck in traffic, or if I've had a little too much, or if I've had a little too much to drink, it's yeah, um, it pops. It's out. not like I'm I'm trying to uh, you know block it out. It just uh, it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny. You know, you're from Boston. Are you familiar with uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite bands? If we're talking about favorite stuff, one of my favorite bands, maybe my favorite band of all time, is a Boston band. What band? Uh, Buffalo Tom. Buffalo Tom. Oh my yeah. God. So, my soda favorite. jerk, right? Yeah. That's my soda favorite. jerk. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Wait, where are they from? Where, where are they from? In Mass? I think they're from Western mass. I they are. Say. They're from Western mass. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually friends yeah. with Bill, with Bill Janovitz, the lead singer. Uh, oh, nice. And I, and I met him through some stuff and then he ended up cause I, uh, was, I was artistic director at a theater company here in Chicago. Uh, and wrote and directed a ton of plays. And one of the plays that I wrote and directed and actually appeared in was called Here Comes a Regular. 
And oh, the replacement I, song, right? It is, yeah. And and yeah. Bill does a Bill Bill does a cover of it, and I used it in the play. And then he actually wrote the music, original music for my play. Oh, and I was like, nice! Holy shit! The lead singer songwriter from Buffalo Town, one of my favorite. Bands wow. So yeah, but they're out of Boston. That, great band out of Boston. That's great. That's great. I had that. I had that uh, big red letter day on. Uh, I still have it on CD. Great record, um, man. Yeah. Those yeah. Are great. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Out of Boston. So uh, when did you start getting into? Was I mean? I mean, obviously you're a filmmaker. Uh, but you are also an actor acting first. Is that how it started? You know, I've never really pursued the acting thing. I just, um, I I've always pursued writing and directing more. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, you know, I went, I went to the film program, um, uh, in college at, at Arizona state. And so we had to take, you know, all the prerequisite acting classes and all that. And, um, yeah, when I moved out here, I just, I didn't really want to pursue that as much. Maybe I should have. I don't. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's always like uh, the only roles I get are usually ones that I give myself, or yeah. you know, my old boss, my Greg Garcia, gave me a couple roles, and then uh, Steve Conrad was cool enough to write me a, a small part in Perpetual Grace, which was yeah. amazing. He's, he's a he's he's, like, he's a he's a friend of mine, Chicagoan. Yeah. Oh yeah, the yeah. That Patriot is is probably my oh. favorite show of all time. Tony, Not Tony probably Fitz, Tony, Fitz, Tony, Fitz, Tony Fitzpatrick is a really good friend of mine. Tony. Oh nice. Yeah, oh he's yeah. great. Amazing dude. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, I just uh, you know I came out here. I think it was oh spring of oh nine, and you know just wanted to immerse myself in you know in Hollywood. Moved out to like I read I read Easy Riders, Raging Bulls right before I moved out, there and I was go, like, man, yeah. I'm moving to Hollywood and Vine, and I was like, <laughs> this. And then I get there, and I'm like, man, this is this is kind of shitty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, no, I just I you know I, I fell in love with the history of this of this you know not so old town, and and just uh, yeah, been here since. Um, yeah. Slowly plotting my escape day by day, yeah. but I don't know. I can't seem to get out. <laughs> cool. Well, what was it um, that got you interested in filmmaking? Obviously, we've talked about Magnolia, you know, being one of your favorites, but you know that was 1999. So I'm talking earlier than that. What was some of the movies that inspired you? Like, man, I want to write. I want to direct. Were there certain films or certain filmmakers? Um, you know, it was it was probably I would say Dazed and Confused had a had a had a big part of that, um, but. Honestly, the show, Seinfeld, um, I was like, this, this show's incredible. And, and so who writes this? How do they do that? And I'm like, oh, there's a, you know, you later learn that there's a room full of writers that writing this amazing show. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, someone gets to do that for a living. I, can I, I want to try to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just this, you know, naive, naive way of looking at it. But I would say Dazing and Fuse. And, you know, my dad, my dad had a lot of, uh, he was big into the seventies films, uh, you know, like the, the, the new Hollywood, like Chinatown and, yeah. and, um, and, uh, even before that easy rider, I think I saw easy rider when I was like seven years old and, yeah. and I probably shouldn't have been watching it at that age, yeah. but yeah. blame my dad for that. But well, my um, dad, my, my dad took me to see the exorcist <laughs> in the theater when I was eight. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, that takes the cake. <laughs> no, no, no. It was funny because like I, I was into way into horror movies when I was a kid, and uh, I was eight when the movie came out when uh, it came out theatrically, and uh, and my dad had taken me to a whole bunch of R-rated movies and stuff. I, I saw inappropriate movies at a very young age, and my mom and dad went to see The Exorcist and came home, and my mom was traumatized, 
and kept all the lights on in the fucking house, like <laughs> traumatized, and forbade my father from taking because my dad took me to everything, like every R-rated yeah. movie, everything. And she's like, "You cannot take him to see the, you cannot take him to see the Exorcist." And so I kept bothering my dad. He's like, "All right, don't tell your mother. I'll take you to see the goddamn thing." So he takes me to see the Exorcist. I'm eight. Fucking traumatizes me. Okay, like I'm like, oh man, terrified. I loved it. I loved every minute of it, but it scared the shit out of me. And um, years later, and I'm not, I'm not making this up. Probably 30 years later, Joe, I'm on my radio show, your radio show, a talk show that I used to have here in, in, in mm-hmm. Chicago, and I'm telling this story to someone, and my mom's listening, and that's how she found out my dad took me to see it. 30 no years way. later, and then my dad was in the oh. fucking doghouse. My dad, my mom's <laughs> like, you took him to see the Exorcist. So. I understand what you're saying about seeing movies at a at a young age. And the yeah, 70s yeah. It, for my, you know, for my, you know, for for me, I think the 70s were the best decade of film. I I agree. Yeah, 100%. Um it, it the uh the Hal Ashby films of the 70s oh, like man. Shampoo uh being there. I know that was late 70s, but um yeah. I guess Little, to wait, answer last, your question last de- last detail. I mean Last detail is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I it's I think it broke the record for swears yep. uh, in a movie in like the first <laughs> eight minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I go to answer your question. I, I would say, you know, the Blake Edwards Pink Panther movies. My grandmother used to show me those when I was a kid, and yeah. my siblings and I, we would just we just died. We absolutely loved Peter Sellers and and you know these these physical comedies that Blake Edwards was making. Those definitely, yeah. I, I think they kind of shaped my sort of my my taste over over the years and and definitely got my you know got me interested in potentially making movies or or writing scripts for a living it's interesting god you know i mean it's so funny that all this this these little bits of conversation we're having i'm telling you dana was right about saying that you and i were getting along because everything you said (laughs) like the the my favorite of the pink panther movies is strikes again Um, oh 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 same that one it's like a greatest hits it's got everything (laughs) in it I mean, it's got the beekeeper. It's got the, you know, that that's a price of Steinway. Not anymore. It's got does your dog bite? You know, it's not my dog. Uh, that's all. That's all in strikes again. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It's and um, who's the guy who plays um, uh, it Her- Herbert, Herbert Lom? Herbert Lom. Oh yeah. my god. Oh, uh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> when well, he's got the he, oh. he develops the twitch. He goes nuts. The, the twitch. The whole, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole visiting him at the at the nut house by the lake. I mean, that shit is so <laughs> funny. No, that's all classic. That's all. I mean, uh, that's that's as that's as good as it gets. You no, mentioned it's, it's funny. You also mentioned Seinfeld, which is a show that I uh, am obsessed with as well. But I'm one of the late comers to Seinfeld. Same, same. I, yeah. I didn't start watching it until it was syndicated, until it was in reruns. I never watched it first run. Um, and I so I was I, a late I, would, I was a latecomer. Yeah, I, I would say. I mean, I was. Let's see when it when it went off the air. I was probably like a freshman or sophomore in high school. And, um, but I had a, a couple of my buddies from Boston, they had older brothers and they were like, you got to watch Seinfeld. You got to watch Seinfeld. Yeah. And, um, it just became, it, it became part of our like everyday conversation. My, okay, my I, group I, of friends and I, yeah. I have to ask you, okay. As a Seinfeld, you know, fanatic and you obviously love Seinfeld. Uh-huh. Um, let's, let's, let's do this. Your, and I will tell you mine, but you tell me your, your favorite, do you have a Seinfeld, do you have a favorite Seinfeld episode? Oh, um, Jeez, I don't know. That's that's a loaded question, Nick. It's tough. Um, it's tough. I just have one. I just my I have a. I have what what's what's yours? The opposite. Uh, where okay, uh, George decides to do the opposite, and it's to me. Costanza's my favorite character on the show. Same. Uh, he's same, the biggest. Yeah. He's the biggest asshole of all of them, and he's my favorite character yep. on the show. Um, and that episode where he does the opposite that also has Jerry breaking even. He's even Steven. 
that has Elaine um, uh, turning into George, where all the shit she does uh-huh. is wrong. And it also has, I mean, that's uh, the, t- the coffee table book. It's got uh, Kramer on Kathy, uh, on Regis and Kelly and Kathy Lee. I mean, all of that is in one episode. It's like oh, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, that's uh, I would say the summer of George or what's yeah. what's the I would say what's the one where he uh, he try he quits and then tries to pretend that he, yeah. he did. He didn't quit. And yeah. um, Kruger Kruger's like, you're out of here, pal. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't you quit uh, when? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's going to roofie the drink and he's going to have a lane roofie the drink. Yeah, uh, of, yeah. The, of the boss. No, it's classic, classic. And of course, based on a true story, because Larry David did that at SNL. Oh my God, he did that that's at right. SNL. Oh he went God, off on. Right. He, he started screaming. At, he started screaming, you know, uh, and and left. Uh, I believe Gene Demanian was the producer, or maybe Dick Appersall was the producer at the time. Screamed at him, and then came in the next day and said, uh, uh, "No, I didn't quit." That's, that was just. That was just. That was a goof. <laughs> it was. I was, was messing around. Yeah, it was cool. Um, um, but yeah, the uh, Summer of George is probably one of my. I, it's. I, I've probably seen every episode at least. Yeah. Ten times. Me too. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, 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 so it's, 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 it's classic. It's absolutely classic. Yeah. Um, so is comedy the, is that the avenue you wanted to go down? I mean, uh, was it, was that the thing? Cause you mentioned Pink Panther, you mentioned Seinfeld, uh, and you know, and the Hal Ashby movies are, uh, a lot of those are very funny. Um, so was it, was comedy the kind of thing you wanted to do? Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, definitely. Um, as, as you know, as the more the more I write now, I'm I'm trying to like explore like, all right, do I have a little more range here? Can I can I go off and do something a little more dramatic? But um, yeah, I think I just you know, people in Boston are so just inherently funny. Just the way they 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 don't even they they don't even crack a joke. Like just how they sound and they just saying yeah. a normal sentence. They just they don't realize how funny they are. And I'm just. I had such a, I had a front row seat to the, you know, I'm from a crazy family who I love dearly, but my parents are, are just, they're wonderfully insane people. And, um, just getting to observe them, you know, all my life was, you know, you're, it's, it's like, you're getting a, a, a PhD and, 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 and write how to write a comedy. So yeah. it's, um, and I, you know, I just, I, I, I had a good group of friends in high school and, you know, we got into a lot of shenanigans and, 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 I just a comedy was it's it was all around me mm-hmm. uh as a kid and um yeah it just my dad's a really really funny guy uh whether he knows it or not and so is right. my mother right. um a, a funny a funny woman and um yeah so I that's just kind of the path I I, I uh, the genre I chose I guess uh, not not I didn't really choose it it was just like oh I, this is this is the world I want to live in yeah. you know now, do you have a big family yeah, I, uh, I'm I'm the oldest of four. Well, I, I have a, a brother who passed away, so I I'm the oldest. I was you know the oldest of four. So, mm. um, but yeah, everybody's you know, funny in the family. Irish, though. Yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. And my my grandmother, you know the the one who introduced me to Blake Edwards. She's she's ninety three. She's oh, in a God nursing home. Her. Still has her you know her wits about her. Yeah. Still sharp as attack and. Yeah. You know, I, I only get to go home a, a couple times a year, but um, she still cracks me That's up. That's amazing. She's still, That's great. She's still you know why she's sharp yeah. as attack? Because she watches Blake Edwards movies. That's why. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. what it is, man. Well, uh, I will tell you this, man. Um, you know, as far as funny, uh, Disappearance of Toby Blackwood is fucking funny, man. It's really funny. Um, and Thank you. Thank and, you. <laughs> and pointed and smart. And as I said, of our time and of what's happening in the world right now. Um, and, you know, specifically during lockdown. 
Um, but it's called The Disappearance of Toby Blackwood. And uh, I think it's got an interesting background. I mean, you, this is your first feature. So this is the first feature that you've ever directed. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you um, very much. Yeah, it was uh, you, no small task. <laughs> and you've done a number of shorts. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because uh, was the impetus for doing this, and this is what I've heard, uh, I, I've, I've been reading about it and, and watching some videos and, and, and Q&As and stuff. Was it really like, oh, yeah, let's do this because uh, you know somebody who will edit it for free? Is that is yeah. that kind of <laughs> – Yeah. Because that's a big yeah. deal, man. If you're getting an editor for free, that's a pretty yeah, big deal. Yeah, my um, so my buddy who I wrote it with, Doug Mellard, who also plays the character of Toby Blackwood. We we were um, we were writing. We had written a couple pilots together previously, and um, I think a month or two before the pandemic, we were we were writing a short film. And um, you know, my wife is my like just a week before that, my wife was like, you know, you need to figure out a way to make a feature. I'm like, oh yeah, easier said than done. She's like, you've made enough shorts. I think it's time to try and make a feature. I'm like, all right. You got how much scratch you got, pal, (laughs) you know, and um, so then, you know, we're in the midst of like finalizing this short script, Doug and I, and then COVID hits and we're like, well, what the fuck do we do now? You know, and um, about a a month into it or less than that, uh, my good friend, Dan Riddle, who's an editor, uh, he cuts a bunch of uh, ABC uh, half hour comedies and a bunch of pilots for networks. He's a pretty big tv editor in the half hour um world and um so he reached out to me he's like look if if there's a way you can make a feature and you know have it filmed safely during covid because this we're talking like this is probably april 2020 he's like i will i will edit it for free and so i i i was like holy shit well i i really need to entertain this this (laughs) this offer here and um so i called up my buddy doug and i was like look dan's an amazing editor he had He'd actually directed the web series uh, we had made, uh, my friend Dylan and I had made years prior called Driving Arizona. Right. And um, he's just an amazing editor, a great, great person. And uh, we'd worked together a bunch in the past. So I called up Doug. I was like, look, we got we got to figure out a way to try and make something safely during, during this lockdown. And so we, you know, we made a couple rules for ourselves. We like, we didn't want to do, you know, we didn't want to make a movie entirely over Zoom and have it be a screen life sort of film because it's a comedy and it just didn't feel like it felt like that would become a, a tired device uh, yeah. in the in as a you know seeing it done as a comedy it's done so well as horror you know in the horror genre but we were like how do we kind of open up the world and and make it seem like it's uh, you know just not make it feel so claustrophobic and right. so we're just like all right you know um conspiracy theories were so pervasive at the time and you know they still are now yes but uh you know when when covid was covid was you know really you know when it hit it's these 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 conspiracy theories were running rampant and we were just like well what if this main character this youtuber with this sort of pretty decent nice following what if he gets missing yeah and and so yeah i play this character who you know who's an old middle school friend of his and um basically another friend of mine who I had gotten Toby, you know, I had gotten him onto the Toby videos. He's the one who actually alerts me that he's gone missing. So we're just like, what if we, you know, film their, you know, the main two characters with a movie camera and, you know, every other person they come across uh, and trying to find this missing guy can be seen as a FaceTime or, you know, a zoom call, but from their perspective. So it wasn't, entirely on a computer screen right and that and that kind of allowed us to open up the world a little bit you know 
make make it a little more dynamic. We had, but we had no crew. You know, we had it was my wife and I, because um, you know, we we the only other apartment we went into was our friend Grant Harvey, who plays the character of Luke. And, you know, we called him early up on. We're like, do you feel safe if we come in with masks on? It's just Katie and me, um, my wife. And he's like, let's do it. So he was a big part of, like, the brainstorming process early on as well, Grant Grant Harvey. But, but yeah, sorry, that was my long-winded way of no, no, answering no. your question. No, no, I think, no, no. I, 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 get, well, I want to get into the movie itself. Um, and, 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 again, um, you know, the, the, the challenge of doing it at COVID, and, and maybe people forgot just how scary it was at that time. Uh, you're talking about, are you comfortable with us coming into your house? I think people forgot, like, I don't want anyone yeah. in my house. Nobody can come in. If you come yeah. in, you can't touch anything. We have to, you know, the groceries have to be washed. We have to wipe everything <laughs> down. I think a lot of yeah. people have, have successfully put that crazy shit out of their heads, but that was yeah. the deal at the time you were making this movie. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was horrifying. Like, and I, I have asthma. So, and I'm, I'm like generally a neurotic person. So it was, uh, it was like, oh my God. I was dancing. It felt like I was dancing with death every time yeah. we were rolling the yeah. cameras. But, yeah. um, but what, yeah, when Doug and I finished the script, um, we, uh, my wife and I drove out to Santa Fe, New Mexico, where he and his wife were holed up. Um, and we filmed about 40 Toby YouTube videos and that kind of got us going and helped us. Yeah. Which are hilarious, character. by the way. They're hilarious. Oh, they, thank yeah. you. Yeah, we. I'd say there's only about half of them that made it in the movie. There's there's a bunch out there. We haven't we haven't uh, we don't know what to do with. To be honest with you, are they but, um, out, are they out there? Because I understand that they're actually on your buddy's YouTube channel, right? And so, yeah, yeah. So are, do I, people do people go to his YouTube channel and think this guy is real and go, what the fuck? I mean, uh, I, is he, I, is we <laughs> we. I mean, I hope. I but uh, we we didn't really. You know, I wish we did do a better job of of like presenting this guy as real but oh yeah okay. and also some of the stuff uh, sorry uh, in in the in the youtube space where people right. can go search him right. but we did some tiktok videos and uh, you know when we were doing the promotion uh of it and right. some of the stuff is so insane that comes out of his mouth but a lot of people take it you know as as the truth it's yeah. bizarre to me but well but yeah so we filmed yeah. Go oh, ahead. sorry. Go ahead, Nick. I was just going to say that it's, it's it's not too far fetched from what really you find on the internet. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to, to you, you wrote it and you were like, "God, oh, this is as crazy as it gets." And then you look on, and some of the real shit that's out there is even crazier than what you guys wrote. Yeah, it was it was it was it was tough to strike a balance. And Doug and I kept feeling like we were like, "All right, this is too silly." And then we, you know, find a YouTube clip of uh, a woman in Texas saying that Joe Biden was controlling the weather machines because it was snowing and freezing and. <laughs> And it's like, what the fuck? Like, people actually believe this? So, so it was tough to find that balance. Of like, what is, you know, is this too, are we going too far here? Or is yeah. this, have we not gone far enough? That kind of thing. But, yeah. but yeah, shooting those in Santa Fe, we like, we really got to figure out who Toby was. And Doug did a great job. He's, he's not an actor. He's a comedian. But, you know, he's so naturally funny and really sank his teeth into the, into the role. And uh, so that was, it was a nice little warm up to shoot you know, the yeah. so-called, uh, the rest of the, the real, the, the movie, you know? Yeah. Well, the movie um, is, is about a couple of guys who it's, it's during lockdown who get obsessed with trying to find this guy, uh, who is missing. And all of these crazy theories are come up and, uh, you're trying to find this guy. You guys are both in your apartments and your separate apartments trying to find out what's going on. And, uh, uh, and you come across, as you said, a whole bunch of sort of quote unquote witnesses or leads that you're following and all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories that you're following. And you, you are determined, uh, to find this guy, but basically what you two guys are doing is going down that sinkhole that everybody went down when they were in lockdown was, 
was essentially kind of getting, you know, like, what did we do? If we weren't watching, you know, Anya Taylor-Joy playing chess, we were going down weird, you know, weird little avenues. And that's kind of what the movie's about. It's, it's, it, you know, the internet was, it's, it was like, it was a form of escapism from the, the real world and issues we were facing, you know, so people needed that sense of escapism, especially with all the uncertainty going on in the world and, and yeah. they compensated toward the internet and, and sort of something anything to believe in. And, and, you know, <laughs> then they start finding websites like eagleeyejury.net and they start taking it as truth, you know, and, and, and so it's, it's weird. Uh, and how many people I've met, you know, people I know in, in my real life who are like intelligent people who have just fallen victim to some of this nonsense that's out there. And yeah. it's mind boggling to me, but, um, well, you guys, you guys begin this uh, thing and, and to the, to the chagrin of all of your friends and like, uh, and your character, by the way, uh, there's a scene where you're outside and you've got your shirtless and you're outside and you've got like crumbs all over your chest. And, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, your wife comes over, uh-huh. uh, and uh, you guys. And uh, my my favorite exchange, one of my favorite exchanges in the entire movie, is the whole Netflix exchange. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and the punchline. I don't want to give it away, but it involves algorithms. I busted out laughing. It's one of my, my favorite <laughs> moments in the entire movie. Oh uh, but, great! <laughs> but opening opening that kind of stuff up and having inter, you know interactions with that, it did it did separate it from your, your paranormal activities or even a movie that I love from last year called uh, We're All Going to the World's Fair, which all takes place in that. In that regard, I just saw a movie last week called Missing, um, which is all takes place on screens and phones and things like that. But yeah, opening I it haven't up, seen I think Missing. It's, yeah, I haven't seen Missing, but we're all going to the World's Fair was really well done. It's beautiful. Really man. well done. Yeah. And yeah. It, it reminded yeah. me a little bit of I mean, I think it would be an interesting double feature with your movie. Obviously, we're all going to the World's Fair is a much more depressing and dark film <laughs> than yours. But it kind of is that what do we do when we're alone and we get yeah. sucked in? We get sucked into this Internet thing. And I'm sure you found yourself doing that, which is one of the reasons why you wrote this, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we wanted to just distract ourselves from the, the mayhem that was going on in the world. And this, it's, it provided a very welcome distraction. We, yeah. we stayed busy. We stayed yeah. busy for a while, you know? Um, and, and, but. and so, but, but I do want to, I want to play a, a quick clip here now, because you guys start to recruit other people to help you find this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the people that you recruit is a, could you explain the priest character briefly before I play this clip um, this is uh, Father Delgado played by um, Rudy Mungare and um, basically he, he his mother um, lives next door to Toby so we uh, my character Wes and uh, the character Luke basically pretend to be journalists who uh, live in another state right. and um and, and and try and get uh, Father Delgado to go snoop around to see if he can get any intel on Toby's whereabouts. Right. And you guys are watching him live streamed. You're watching him like, yes. on a phone or on yeah. a tablet. And this is this is a quick scene where you're, you guys are trying to get this priest. To, all right, well, I'll just play the clip. Here we go. I think anybody's home. I saw this on TV once. Father, take your shirt off, wrap it around your fist. Then you can punch through the glass without it slicing your hand, probably. I'm pretty sure. I would rather not. Come on, just do it. It, it. It'll get us in there. Well, maybe just give the doorknob a little jiggle. See if it's unlocked. Did you guys forget about the signs I just passed by? All right. Look, Father, we're just going to level with you. We're almost 100% certain that Toby drove up to Seattle to kidnap Bill Gates, so we need you to break into that house to see if Bill's address is in there. I'm sorry. Guys, I... 
Okay, so that's, that's <laughs> you want to you want to break in to get Bill Gates is is his address is in there. I mean that shit's hilarious, yeah. man. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's oh thank you. Yeah, it's just nonsense, but we had fun. <laughs> All right, and so again, you guys trying to solve this mystery basically because it's like what else the hell? What the hell else are we gonna do? And I love the way and I some of the other stuff that I love is just like the shit that the the art direction. I don't I, I don't know who decorated the sets. I mean, obviously, was, it was just you guys, right? I mean, well, it was. Yeah, it's all my wife, Katie Middleton. Yeah, well, she, she she wore like forty hats in the making. God bless of her, film, man. So, and and yeah. Dana Dana also told me she was carrying cameras that were ten times her weight. You know, like that kind of stuff. It, and, that's slightly hyperbolic, but but yeah, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but uh, um, yeah, Katie filmed um, all of my stuff and. You know, I directed stuff in the past, shorts and stuff, but yeah. we're we're not we're not cinematographers, we're not gaffers, we're not you know, right, we, we right. that is not our field of expertise. So we yeah. uh that was the Dan Riddle had this camera and this and these lenses and so we just did a shit ton of research on um how to use this black magic uh cinema camera and and basically how to, like relearned how to light I hadn't I hadn't lit anything since film school like 15 years prior so sure I, you know I and that's not that's not you know <laughs> I'm not a cinematographer so we we had the luxury of time which was a blessing and a curse True. um yeah 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 so we we shot this thing over the on and off over the course of probably 6 months so you know if we didn't if we felt like we didn't have a performance um much to the chagrin of my wife, we would do it again. So, <laughs> I'm uh, sure she was thrilled. But, oh, but if, yeah, yeah. But no. I do want to mention that, like, if, if you know, if your wife is responsible for the, like the set decorations and stuff, there was yep. there the, the visuals were so goddamn funny, like food sitting <laughs> around in the background and empty beer cans and all kinds of shit. Where it's like you look, and then you know the whole um, uh, charts that are on the on the wall with the with the strings that, you know, the, yeah. the conspiracy theory, rubber bands and charts and stuff, sure. are, which yeah. were basically just like, you know, uh, in some cases, just, you know, names stuck on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Not a piece of paper stuck on the wall. But like everything, you know, the, visually, like the looks of the apartments and like, yeah, shit, th- look at this. This is clearly done during COVID. Like these guys are not doing yeah. anything but this shit and letting everything else go to hell. <laughs> yeah, it was it was funny. Um, Grant uh, Grant Harvey's apartment, uh, the character he played, uh, the actor who plays Luke, he early on in COVID, he basically put astroturf all throughout his apartment, and because he was just playing mini golf in there. So when we called him up, I'm like, "Hey, I wanted to get a sense of what your place looks like." He's like, "Dude, it's 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 insane. It's a mess." I was like, "That's that's perfect uh, because yeah. you know my character is going through a divorce and." You yeah. get the sense that uh, my wife or ex-wife had decorated this place nicely. So it was a nice juxtaposition, yeah. you know, yeah. like how organized my place was, even though my life was falling apart, and just the chaos of the character, you know, that yeah. Luke was living in. So yeah. Well, it all worked, man. I mean, just even in the, the wonderful subtlety of the, you know, of the set design and the art direction and stuff, really beautiful <laughs> stuff. It added, it added to the, you know, to the cohesiveness of it all. I mean, it really did. Really beautifully. Thank how did you. Da- how did Dana get involved? I know you knew her and everything, and uh, but how did Dana get involved? And how did uh, she become associate producer on this project? Um, she helped out a lot. She, uh, I asked her uh, if she wanted to be a part of it, and like many actors at the time, they didn't have anything going on. They were out of work, and so she's like, "Of course, you know, tell me what character you want to play. You want me to play?" And so <laughs> Doug and I wrote this part for her, and we were just like, you know, yeah. 
yeah. laughing to ourselves as we're like, we imagine her, yeah. you know, uttering these lines and she absolutely knocked it out of the park and sure did, yeah. still, still makes me laugh. And then she, she, uh, she's friends with Louis Guzman. So she, yeah. you know, she, she helped, uh, get Louis on, on board the film and, and, um, yeah, she's, she did things like when uh, my wife was out of town on a movie, uh, she helped me redress the apartment that we thought we were done filming in, which took like, you know, 12 hours to redress. So it was, uh, yeah, she, she helped out a ton and she was, yeah. you know, she helped us see the light at the end of the tunnel when it's awesome, man. sometimes it felt like we were never going to get there. Well, you mentioned Louis Guzman, who makes a hilarious cameo in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't want to give away any of the other cameos. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, how did you get some of these people? Um, there's one in particular I, that I do, uh, not want, I do not want to give away. But if you can kind of secretly kind of tell me how you got this person. Um, that who I think you're thinking of, uh, that uh, the actor is, is a friend of uh, Grant Harvey's. They, they've been in a, in a film together. And we um, we basically were like, shit, there's no harm, harm in asking. Yeah. And, um, and so he he was he was so nice. Grant sent this long email and and uh, <laughs> this this anonymous actor. <laughs> I don't want to give. Um, I mean, if you, I, I yeah. don't want to. I personally, I don't want to give it away. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, if you no, do, no. It's or, it's I, no. I, I it's, would, it's a big surprise. Let me just say this: that if you watch the disappearance of Toby Blackwood, there are some wonderful small roles and cameos and some character actors, people you've seen on TV. Uh, Todd uh, Geibenheim. Uh, by I the think, way, I think I think he's. I think it's Gibenhain. Gibenhain. He's I, fucking I, hilarious. I love him in in everything he does. And you mentioned Greg Garcia. He's a Greg Garcia guy. Um, yeah, and, and he's yeah. so goddamn funny and everything. He's hilarious in this. Todd um, is his oh. character. That his performance makes. I've seen this movie a thousand times, and he. Every time I, it, 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 he makes me laugh. He's it's, one of those uh, guys where you, I guess you don't know his name, but you know him when you see him, especially if you watch, yeah. you know, you know, my name is Earl, or if you watch Raising Hope, you know this guy. Yep. And and as soon as he came on, I'm like, oh, this guy's in it. Fuck yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and and like everybody else, and I don't want to mention the the, the big name, but he, but so he, you said, I'm sorry, you were you sent this person an email. So uh, uh, Grant had reached out uh, yeah. on our behalf, and um, he basically he he just really appreciated what we were trying to do. And like, he just talked about how ambitious it was at this time with everyone, you know, at home and, you know, being locked down. And he's like, I want to help in any way I can. Um, and so Doug and I wrote this like five page scene that was like, ultimately we had to whittle down when we did that. Um, we call it the conspirator sequence when, um, yeah. you know, we're, we're just starting to go down the rabbit hole we wrote this five page scene and he memorized it all and just was like oh, off book when we did. And it was just like, it was so much better than I, 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 yeah. you know, that I yeah. even, than I thought it could be. And he just, he was such a nice, nice human being. And, and, um, I, we were just thrilled to have him be a part of it. And it, yeah, yeah, ultimately we had to cut some of his lines down, which was just like, I can't yeah. believe we're cutting out the words he's saying, but yeah. But yeah, it's he's still in a good a good chunk of it. A so, great chunk of it. Uh, and again, I don't want to give it away, but let me just assure people who are listening that the person that we're talking about fucking rules. That's all I'm saying. And um, <laughs> and, and and if you're if you are a, if you know me at all and have heard me talk about it, this person has been in and been responsible uh, for writing some of my favorite movies of the past like, yep. 20, 20 years. So anyway, and he's in it, and he rules in it. Um, he, he's, so, he rules in real life too. So yeah, I'm um, glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm really glad to, I'm yeah. glad to hear that. And I'm not su- I, quite frankly, I'm not surprised. It ju- he just seems yeah. like that kind of dude. I met him 
uh, twice. Uh, oh, nice. With, with two other guys that I don't want to mention because that'll give away who he is. <laughs> but these yeah. three guys that are normally associated with each other, I yep. met those three guys a couple of different times, and they were both, they were all three of them were very cool dudes. So uh, that's great to hear. And it's great when he popped up. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, um, it's cool seeing it in, in the theater. Uh, you know, we were at some festivals, just the audience being like, holy shit. Yeah. What? Yeah, you showed it in yeah. Portland, you showed it at Maui and Phoenix and L.A. at a comedy festival. Um, yep. What's it like to go from festival to, to do the festival circuit with something that's yours, man? How does how did that feel? Um, it's, you know, one of the most rewarding feelings is when strangers laugh at the 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 moronic things that you've written. And <laughs> yeah. it's like it's um, it, it, I don't know. It, it, it really it really makes me smile, you know, when when. A, a room full of strangers are entertained at, you know, something that we made this like homemade film. It feels like at times, um, it was just a really incredible experience. And, um, you know, it, I, you know, it feels like all the hard work we put into it paid off when you hear strangers laughing. So, yeah. um, it was cool it, to, to go to a few fests though. I would love to, uh, I would love to see it with an audience. I think you should bring it here to Chicago and I think you should play it at the music box theater. Okay. Uh, the Music All Box right. Theater is a beautiful theater, and I happen to know the people that run it. Okay. Uh, and uh, and I would uh, I would it would kill at the Music Box. It would just fucking kill. And it's the right place. It's the right audience. And uh, you know, I would just I would love it if you know we did a screening there, and maybe you came in. We could do a Q and A, and maybe we can get Dana to come in. Um, oh, I'd love that. That um, sounds uh, that sounds excellent. But we can talk about this, uh, you know, when we're not recording. Uh, sure. But, but seriously, yeah. I'm telling you, if you, it's the Music Box Theater in Chicago, and if you want to, okay. you want to do your research on it. It's the one of the oldest theaters in uh, in this in the country, actually. Wow. Um, and a beautiful movie palace, 750 seats. Uh, oh my star, god. Stars on the ceiling. It has, you know, uh, so many legendary stories. Been open since the early 20s. Um, and it shows first run movies. It shows art films. It has revival stuff like they're showing right now. Uh, they're showing the 4k restoration of assault on precinct 13, John Carpenter's movie. Oh, wow. Um, wow. and they're showing, uh, starting, uh, on Friday, they are showing Brandon Cronenberg's new movie, infinity pool on the oh, big screen. Oh, I can't wait to see that. I just I saw can't it. Wait it's, to see... it's oh. great. It's great, dude. Yeah. Great. It looks yes. wild. It's completely insane. It's completely insane. And, <laughs> and, and, it, and it, and it completely cements Mia Goth as like the shit right now. Like she's, yeah. the, mm-hmm. she's the deal. If like X yep. and Pearl, you know, and Suspiria didn't do that. This puts her way over the top. Oh, I can't um, wait to see it. It's so good, but they're showing that and they're showing on the weekends, uh, this, this whole weekend, I, I'm sorry for like two months, every weekend at 1130, they're showing Billy Wilder movies in 35. Oh, nice. So like this weekend is sunset so- Boulevard. Last week was Double Indemnity. They're showing Ace in the Hole. This is the kind of stuff that the Music uh, Box does, and they premiere low budget and and you know and and movies of of that are that are unique. And that's why I'm telling you, Joe, this is the place to do it here in Chicago. You should bring your ass and that movie to the theater. I, I'm sold. We uh, that sounds incredible. We just had a screening at the Austin Film Society uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was just. It was incredible. You know, the, the theater there, I think uh, Richard Linklater and, and Robert Rodriguez are on their, I think they're co-founders of it or bachelors sure. of it in some capacity. Yeah, 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 and yeah. Um, just a wonderful facility. The people there were just top notch. And 
to see it up on the big screen, you know, we played the DCP. So it was like the best it ever looked and sounded. And it was just yeah. like, yeah, uh, it was, it was a really, I, a really great experience. I bet, I bet it would be, I mean, and I, I guarantee you it would be a phenomenal experience at the music box. Cause we could pack the place and I only, I watched it on my laptop. You were, you were kind enough to send mm-hmm. me a link and it was, and I got to say, it was really interesting to watch that movie on a laptop. I do have I, to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a whole different feel to it when you're watching it on a laptop. Um, sure. But to see it in that glorious 750, you know, seat, 1920s era theater, uh, you would, wow. you, you would lose, you would lose your shit, Joe. I'm telling you, you would. Um, well, I'm sold. I'll talk yeah. to the team. Hopefully I, I want to make it happen. Yeah, talk to those guys, and I can talk to the people at the music. We'll talk off. We'll talk off the air about this. Okay, general, cool, uh, cool. About it, and we'll, let's make this happen, man. Because I love the movie, and I thought it was great. Um, Thank you so much. Before it comes to Chicago, at some point, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people see it? And they should see it. It's available now. The website is whereistobyblackwood.com. Whereistobyblackwood.com, where you can see the trailer and get information and background stuff on it. But where can people watch it? Because it's streamable. It's it's it yep, let's it's, tell people how they can watch it so, so yeah it's out now on uh on demand uh and digital hd to rent or buy so like itunes apple tv amazon prime voodoo at&t uverse direct tv dish all that like basically every major cable provider you can watch yeah. it on demand so it's it's out there uh and it's and, called uh, the disappearance of toby blackwood um and made under crazy condi- <laughs> crazy conditions a movie that also reflects those crazy conditions that we went through really beautifully. And it's a great satire. Uh, it also says a lot about what's going on on the internet and how we get sucked in and social media and the craziness of it. Uh, and it's a, it, it's a really pointed, very, very funny satire, man. And, um, and it made me laugh out loud and congratulations on it. I think you did a fantastic fucking job. Really. Thank you so much, Nick. I really appreciate the kind words. Yeah. Uh, glad it made you laugh. <laughs> it did. It did. And it was, a, and it was all, and this is all because of Dana. Dana's like, Hey, you gotta have this guy on, you know? And I'm like, all right, take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad she's in our corner. <laughs> yeah. She's the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where is Toby Blackwood.com? That's the website. The movie is called the disappearance of Toby Blackwood, a very, very funny comedy about what people do when they get hooked into the internet. And this, uh, during the, uh, during the pandemic and during the lockdown. Uh, really great stuff. What are you working on next, Joe? What's going on? What, what's what's for you next? I mean, obviously, you want more people to see this. You want more people to see Toby Blackwood and get it seen and go to fests and go to towns and stuff like that. Uh, you working on anything? Writing on anything right now? Yeah, I got a, a script. Doug and I are writing. Doug Mallard and I are writing a script uh, that would uh, film in Austin. It's basically uh, it's a really dark dark comedy. Uh, Basically, uh, I guess I'd try, the comp would be Green Room meets the Burbs, um, and oh, it may dude. or may not may or may not have some murderous hippies. Um, so, so yeah, that's well, we're 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 in the midst of that right now. And then, those are um, two of my favorite movies, by the way. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, I love the Burbs. Yeah. I could watch the Burbs twenty four hours a day. If there oh, was it's a, excellent. It's the yeah. best, one of my favorite Joe Dante movies. One of my favorite. Yep. C- criminally underrated Joe Dante movie. Um, it really is. Yeah, God, and it's so and Bruce Dern. There go the oh, goddamn yeah. brownies. <laughs> I it just I can watch that. <laughs> Brother Theodore, for Christ's sake. I mean, yeah. oh man. It's so it's Henry Henry Gibson, right? Henry, Henry Gibson? Gibson. Yeah. It's yeah. so yeah. it's amazing. Amazing. Uh yeah. well anyway, and you also mentioned Richard Linklater and you mentioned Daisy Confused. Uh, I I I'm telling you this right now, Joe. I've seen Daisy Confused probably six thousand times. I know <laughs> every line of dialogue. We had this uh there's a theater here in Chicago called the Vic Theater, which now is like a concert venue and a stand up comedy venue. But they used to show movies 
And uh, they did this thing during the week called Brew and View, where it was just a bar, and you would get pitchers of cheap beer, and you would get loaded and watch double features. Oh, that sounds great. And every Thursday night for two years, at midnight, every Thursday night was dazed. And my friends and I went every fucking Thursday night <laughs> to see nice. one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, oh, just excellent, excellent. I know every, every line of it. <laughs> It's yeah, I I think I do as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a classic. It is absolutely classic. And in fact, I mean, like I opened my podcast and I opened my radio show with um, a soundbite of of McConaughey doing "All right, all right, all right." That's my nice. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So anyway, all right. Well, listen, Joe, man, blast talking to you, man, and um, congratulations on the movie on getting something really cool done during lockdown. Um, you know, I basically, I didn't, I didn't bake bread. I didn't do any of that shit. I just, <laughs> I got fired during the lockdown from my radio, st- from my radio show. Oh, and uh, so I didn't have a good lockdown, but you did, you made a great movie. So uh, congrats, oh, man. Thank you so much, Nick. I, I really appreciate it. I, I had a blast talking with you as well. I feel like I could talk to you all day. Yeah. I think we're going to have to do that at some point. Uh, Absolutely. It's, it's called the disappearance of Toby Blackwood. You can check out where is Toby for all the information. It's available on VOD everywhere. Uh, and it's got an all-star cast. It does. Uh, and uh, really, really funny. And of course, for regular listeners, my future ex-wife, Dana DiLorenzo, is fucking hilarious in it. Um, and she's in it as well. So, and, and, uh, and listen, Joe, we'll uh, hang out for a second here because uh, we're going to say goodbye here. But you hold on because I definitely want to talk to you about uh, getting this movie to the Music Box here in Chicago. Awesome. Sounds okay. good. Thanks, Nick. That's Joe Ahern, uh, the director and co-writer and star of The Disappearance of Toby Blackwood. You should definitely check it out. All right, uh, let's say hello to Esmeralda Leon Esmeralda. right now. Yeah. talk to Esmeralda Leon as we do on every episode of the Nick D podcast and that includes this one Esmeralda it's episode 110 I don't know what that uh, means is I'm that trying that? to think yeah I'm is trying to think of 110 no I no? don't think so okay well it's an episode <laughs> it's a regular old it's number hi Esmeralda how you doing <laughs> hello good hi. oh good 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 well welcome um, Thank you. We're going to get some more celebrities uh, being weird-ass parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever know anybody who had weird-ass parents? We can kick off with that. Did you ever? Were you, did any of your friends um, or anybody in your family do some weird parenting stuff? I wouldn't. Well, hmm. no, nothing that's like crazy. Um, the nothing only thing like, I no, would no, say... No, yeah. nothing like these celebrities. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I just remember, and this isn't really to their parenting, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember I we had neighbors and I was friends with their um, daughter. And I had to stay over there. My dad was having um, sinus surgery. And so I had to just stay over because my mom was going to go to the hospital. So we were having dinner and like... 
I was just like, this is where I'm like, this is why I don't go to people's houses. Like one, they only gave me water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah, but I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah. Where I was used to like Kool-Aid. Right. Right. <laughs> for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and then their cats were just jumping on everything, like in the kitchen. And for me, that's just kind of like I'm a little like, okay, so there's yeah. just cat hair like uh, all up in your food then. I, yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Like you're, you you get especially as a kid, you get used to something, especially mm-hmm. especially something is sort of you know, like intimate as meals, sharing meals. Yeah. When someone does it differently, it's a it's a kind of a red flag and it's really weird. Yeah. I remember I, I mean remember... even to this day though, like my cats, they don't jump on. Yeah. I don't let them on the kitchen table, they don't jump on the counters like nah. But <laughs> not the, doing that. And and but and, and again, you were you were a kid, right? So you, you can't like yes. say where's the Kool-Aid? You can't say that. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, thank you for this water." For the water. <laughs> thank you for the tap for the Joliet tap water. Mm. I I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, my I, meal will be so much better. I have a, a, a perfect example of this. The, 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 my best friend when I was growing up was a kid named Danny Long. Dan Long. And that's mm-hmm. why I got along so well with the engineer slash producer. Over of at the course. <laughs> he produced my show for a while. He, he filled in and produced for a while. And, and he was one of the final candidates to get the, the gig after uh, Chagru left. But he ended up going into engineering, Dan mm-hmm. uh, Long. Um, and we got along famously and it was always a joke. It was like, dude, no wonder we get along. My best friend when I was a kid was named Dan Long. Was There's something friend. about that name. Something about <laughs> it. But I would stay over at his house and he would stay over at my house. And, um, you know, Dan, Dan's family was, uh, uh, very Catholic. He had, mm-hmm. you know, a brother named Edward, a brother named Patrick, and a sister named Mary. You know what I mean? Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know of what I'm course. saying? Uh, and they were like, you know, like uh, Sunday, they would always go to mass and church. In my house, it was just me, no brothers, no sisters, and none of that Catholic nonsense or any of that mm-hmm. religion of any kind. So whenever I would stay over there, Dan always loved staying over at my house because it was like the Wild West. Because it was just me and my parents. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we would eat whatever the fuck we wanted. and we would, do, You know what I mean? It didn't matter. But when right. I stayed over at his place, because we would, you know, do the, you know, we sleep over and stuff like that. And we'd stay over at his place. And it was always fun because we would go down to the basement where his brother Eddie lived. Uh, he lived in the basement. And at this point, he's probably in his 20s, Eddie was, or late teens or mm-hmm. early 20s. And just you'd go down there. And this was in the 70s. So there was fucking weed everywhere. Um, <laughs> and it smelled weird. And we didn't, you know, at first when I first started going there, I didn't know it was weed. And I was like, why does it smell so weird? He had a waterbed. <laughs> And it was like, his, oh, no. you know, and his parents, wow. would have to, his parents would have to walk through to go to the laundry room. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was a basement. He lived in his parents' basement. Yeah. And I thought he, and at that time I thought he was cool. Oh, your brother's cool, man. Cause he had a stereo. He sleeps on a waterbed. He sleeps on a waterbed. <laughs> he has David Bowie albums and a big stereo. Little did I know that like he was this unemployed loser who smoked dope in his parents' basement. At that time I was like in the seventies, that was cool. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> And then years later, I would serve him at bars in the neighborhood and have to kick him out. Oh, I'm not kidding. Go back to your waterbed, dude. I'm not kidding, man. <laughs> and it was so it was such a weird thing uh, uh, that, you know, like, as you know, I think I told you this when I when I, I went to grade school, to public school, uh, Alexander Hamilton, right in Wrigleyville. Um, and it was a public school. And my senior now I senior. I'm sorry, my eighth grade year. Mm-hmm. That summer, like right around the end of eighth grade, I started hanging out with other people who were dope smokers and, oh boy, you know, uh, you know what I mean. It was it was one of those deals where it was like you know like I went to I went to Disco Demolition, 
mm-hmm. uh, the Steve Dahl thing at, at Comiskey, and everybody was po- smoking pot and everything. And my parents saw the road I was going down, and right. the, the people that I was going to school with, they were like, they were all going to either Lakeview or Lane. And I've told you this. My parents said, you're not going yeah. to either of those yeah, schools. Yeah. And it changed the course of my life. You know, I went to Luther North and it completely changed me and blah, blah, blah. And then years later, when I went back and like started working at Ties or Gingers, mm-hmm. which are both on Ashland near Addison, I would actually serve people that I went to grade school with. And they were all like <laughs> drunk and they were on like their fifth marriage. And they, you know what I mean? And I, I, yeah. and I went, wow, boy, you really I really did dodge a bullet by my parents. <laughs> See, Moving sometimes they know things. No, they do, and I always that's one of the that's one of the things that they did as parents that I thought, okay, that was a good move. That was a smart move. You know. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I would go over to Dan's house and, and it was always like, you know, like on Sunday morning, like on Saturday nights we'd watch like, you know, uh TV until late at night or horror movies or whatever, and then we'd fall asleep. And then in the morning, um that you know, she, the the mom would always make breakfast. Mary was the oldest, she'd already moved out. So it was just Patrick and and Eddie would never come up from downstairs. So it was just basically me and Dan and Patrick. Mm-hmm. And she would always make food and pancakes and stuff. But, 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 but the pancakes were weird, I thought. And they always insisted on praying before every meal. Right, of course. <laughs> you know? How are they weird? Well, like, do you me, remember? Well, I thought that was weird. Like praying for every every meal to me was weird because we didn't do it. You know what I mean? Like my parents were like, "Just eat, shut up." You know, it was that kind of thing. No, no, no. But the pancakes, like, why were they oh, weird? Oh, they were. Uh, they, they. She, she didn't. Ma- my mom made pancakes from Bisquick. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, she would make. If she made pancakes, didn't make pancakes very often. But she, when she did, it was Bisquick. But yeah. she, like, the, like she had like a, a Dan's mom had like, like an uh, a a a the a non-name brand Bisquick type thing. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't Bisquick and I was, I was judgmental of it not being Bisquick. You, you somehow knew. Wow. No, no, no. I'd see it. I'd see her make them, you know, like, she, oh. you know what I mean? Like she'd have a box of Johnny's Bis, you know, Johnny's pancake. So is it mix just because it wasn't the, the real Bisquick? You were like, these aren't. Yeah, and also, no, but this is the killer, and this is what I'm talking about, Esmeralda, and this goes to what you were saying about, like, here's some water, no Kool-Aid, <laughs> you know? Uh, and again, that was another thing. Like, it was like, this was before I became, I became Captain Milk, because when I was oh, growing up, okay. be, but when I was the growing up, when I was a kid, <laughs> when I was growing up, no, when I was growing up as a, as a kid, I drank, I drank Coke and pop with meals. My parents were like, yeah, go ahead, drink pop. They didn't care. But mm-hmm. that was not the case. You would drink milk at Dan's house. So, um, but like, but the orange juice was like, it was a different brand and I didn't, I was like, oh, it was different than what we had, but the kick, this was the kicker. Okay. Esmeralda, this was the kicker when they served her, when she served her non bisquick pancakes, which I had a problem with. Okay. The only accompanied, uh, thing was Cairo syrup. They did not have like regular Wait. maple syrup, only Cairo. Wait. Wait, caro syrup is the dark. That, that's not pancake syrup. It's it, it, when you put it on pancakes. You can put it on pancakes, and people do. Some people put it can on waffles you? and pancakes. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, 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 you can't. I mean, I only know it is to bake with. No, caro syrup 
the dark, you know what it is. It's like a dark sort of molassesy. Yeah, syrup. it's corn no. syrup. Yeah, and that's what they use to put on their non-Bisquick pancakes. That's weird. Thank that's you. That's what I'm saying. Like, Thank that's you. weird. You use that stuff to bake. Well, I, I, <laughs> and here's what here's what I think, and maybe someone knows. I don't know. Maybe a, a, a listener or, or a subscriber. Like, literally, like, I just went to the website because I'm like, well, maybe they have a different set of You could Google Cairo syrup products. Pancakes. No, they have no. It's all corn syrup. Right, but they. I'm this not kidding. Dark. It was. Here's what. No. Here's what they would put on the table. Dark caro syrup. Caro syrup. That was. What oh, they, would put. they do have a pancake syrup. That's Ew. what I'm saying. But it's dark caro. <laughs> that was what they put on. And 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 my thought process is this. Dan's parents were a lot older than mine. Like Dan was yeah. the young. Dan was the youngest. My parents were only like my parents. My mom was like 20 when she had me. Mm-hmm. You know. And my dad was like 22, so they were they were kids when they had me. Dan's parents were older, and they were, if I'm not mistaken, they were depression kids. So I think that kind of stuff is why they ate the way they ate. Like, I think Carol syrup was cheaper when they were younger. Probably. And, and they kept using it. You know what I mean? Like, it, and, and that makes sense, and I'm not judging them for that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a thing I've they grew up with. Never seen this. No caro syrup. That's all. Every time I went over there, if I've they only made pancakes, seen the corn syrups. If they made, if they made, um, you know, like eggs and bacon and stuff, I'd be happy. But like every time she made the non biscuit, <laughs> like, no corn oh, syrup God, for me. Jesus Christ, caro syrup, and I couldn't say no when I'm eating caro syrup and ugh, you know, interesting with, with pancakes that weren't biscuit. I was like, I gotta go home. I I can't be here. But yeah. yeah, we we ate pancake syrup. I mean, no, it of is course you did because yeah, but it's... maple syrup, they regular like Aunt Jemima. Well, we never ate maple syrup. Yeah, we had that's not real syrup. <laughs> no, I understand, but that's the kind of shit we ate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I ate canned vegetables and maple syrup when I was growing up. You know what I mean? Like that's it's, it's not until now that my parents. Well, my dad he won't buy it because he th- he says it's too expensive. <laughs> what maple but, syrup? Um, yeah. Because it is, because it's maple oh, syrup. Absolutely, of course. Well, what did you eat? What, what did you eat your pancakes with then? Just like Aunt Jemima. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that. Yes, you're right. It's not. That's not maple syrup. The, the stuff no, yeah, that I'm that's talking just about. Sugar. Log cabin. The log cat. You know. <laughs> yeah. what, yes, exactly. No, those are just sugar. <laughs> exactly, and that's what I grew up eating. I drank pop and I ate maple syrup. Uh, you know, like a imitation. Long yeah. cabin, yeah, it's imitation maple absolutely. syrup. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But but fuck, it's better than Cairo, right? I mean, come on. I mean, I've never had K. I oh. just, I've never. I thought I didn't know they made pancake syrup. Well, it's I just not... know that there is corn syrup. Yes, and, and that, you use and, it for and, baking and cooking and, and stuff. And I'm telling you, Esmeralda, I'm not. They, yeah, they do have I remember, a pancake syrup. But if I remember correctly, oh. it wasn't even a pancake syrup. I think they went flat on, full out caro syrup. So if they were, and you say it's dark, then it would have been dark corn yes. syrup. Exactly. That's exactly what they put on their pancakes. That's weird. It's t- that's that's weird. what I'm saying. We're talking about weird parents, man. That's fucking. Weird. I wonder when the I wonder when the pancake syrup came. I don't know. All I know is like, like it was it and and maybe you know obviously you know your palate changes as you grow older. But when you're a kid, of course, you you know like now I'd probably eat that and go, oh yeah, that's kind of got an interesting taste to it, and I like it. And I you know I would eat it. You know, dark. Yeah, syrup. I mean, like I mean, it's fine, eat. whatever. But Sugar. when you're fucking seven years old, <laughs> you're seven years old, and you eat every, you know whenever you have waffles or pancakes, you eat Aunt Jemima syrup. Caro syrup is a punch in the mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
By the way, um, somebody, whoever was making the Caro Syrup website, they have the products, and under pancake syrup, it says Caro Pancake Syrup, question <laughs> mark? I don't know why. <laughs> and the other like thing they're was, questioning it. They're like, is, I don't know, pancake and, syrup? Is this what that and on is? To- you know, and on top of that, you know, like... You can smell pot wafting up from the basement while we're sitting there. You know, like the sun, the loser sun is downstairs rolling joints. I'm just assuming you're getting a contact high the whole time. Exactly. Oh, I was high all the time. We'd go down in that basement and, 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 like, we would open up, we would open up the albums, you know, like the gatefold on albums, like record albums. Mm Mm-hmm. And there would be pot seeds in there because you had to get rid of the seeds because there of was a course. time there was a time back in uh, the Esmeralda when there was actually seeds in pot. There aren't any more, but there were seeds, and you would have to like, you know, like get your credit card out or something and like get the get the seeds out, and you would do that on yeah. an album cover. That's how you would do it. You would get rid of the seeds on an album cover, and I would open up like an album cover, uh, the gatefold on an album cover, and seeds would spill out all over the. <laughs> really? But anyway, so not, not only that, but not only did she make like. Low grade Bisquick, you know, pancakes. <laughs> she served them with Caro syrup, and I had to thank yeah. God for them. I had to say thank you, God, for this shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thanks, God. Thanks a lot for the fucking Caro syrup and the bad pancake mix. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's totally what I'm. That's totally. It's weird because when you go over to somebody's house as a kid and they. Don't do it the same way that your family does it, that your parents do it. It's weird. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It is weird. Oh, completely. And especially growing up in the 70s when there were no rules. Because, I mean, parents would get loaded. My parents would get, you know, like, they would get loaded. You know, they didn't care what was going on. It was the 70s. It's like, let's drink Yago Sangria and smoke cigarettes. They didn't give a shit what was going on. <laughs> so, but anyway. But, yeah, Caro syrup. You should, let's try it someday. You want to do a taste test? Let's do some pancakes We with have to Caro find syrup. it first. I don't even know <laughs> But let's just do I'm regular you, I've dark. I've never seen it. Let's do regular dark corn syrup because I'm oh, almost I mean, I'm, I'm almost sure that if they did have the Carol corn or, or pancake syrup every once in a while, I'm almost positive that the majority of the time that I ate the second grade Bisquick pancakes there, it was dark mm-hmm. Carol corn syrup. I'm almost positive mm-hmm. it was. And come on, as well to imagine being eight and eating that. And then it's corn syrup. Yeah. Like, corn syrup is just, like, straight sugar. <laughs> it was... There's no uh, really... At least to me, there's really no, like, nuance to it. And it's also bitter. While, it's really bitter in the dark stuff, and it's like, what the... You know, and Dan yeah, would eat it, because that's what he yeah. ate. Because Dan grew of up Of course, that yeah. That's how he... That's all he and, knows. Right. And then he'd go over to my house, and they're like, wow, your parents let you drink pop and eat, you know, squirt sugar down your throat? That's fantastic, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, I'd go over to their house, and they'd go... Get the fuck out of my house. That's what they do. So that's we would not say that after we ate the Cairo syrup. That would be the last thing on our minds. So mm, mm-hmm. I wonder uh oh. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell and I love Nick's show. Oh, she's got a sign that says Cairo syrup is tasty. Oh, wow, oh, wow. Hi, she grew I'm up in Carrie a Caro syrup I household. Love show. <laughs> yeah, her name is Carrie Russell, but they were going to name her Caro. Oh, oh, because of the love of, of Caro, Caro brand that's right. corn syrups. Hi, I'm Carrie All right, Russell, Carrie. All right, go back outside. All right. She could have done a whole thing. Like, she could have been the spokesperson. <laughs> yeah. 
She could be the spokesperson for Caro. Hi, I'm Carrie. I, I eat Caro. Yeah, but if she was Caro, <laughs> be like, it's so good. My parents named me Caro. Like, <laughs> God, I keep digging a quite hole. Quite a tie-in. I keep mo- digging a bigger hole for her not to be on this fucking podcast. It just keeps right? deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> so anyway, oh, all right. I have a megaphone message, uh, Esmeralda. Very good. A magic yes. megaphone message, which I know you love and we both love, that oh, it's become yeah, this course. regular thing. We give away, by the way, we're going to be at Zany's Esmeralda. won't be there because you'll be in Mexico, and you're going to be having yeah. a good time. In, I'll be on uh, the beach. Weather that will be <laughs> roughly 80 degrees warmer than here. Oh, yeah. Um, February 21st, but Amy Guth will be uh, my co-host that night. John DeCoss, the great good. John DeCoss, is going to be our special guest. Uh, nice. Rosemont.zanies.com Tuesday, February 21st Get your tickets now 847-813-0484 uh, We'll do some uh, taste tests It'll be interactive We got some trivia to, We're giving away cool stuff Like Nick D show uh, t-shirts And uh, Nick D podcast Coffee mugs And all kinds of stuff But uh, anyway We're going to give away A magic megaphone The exact kind That I use here on the show And if you have a message That you would like me The magic megaphone monkey To repeat uh, Any message at all so drop me an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Tell me what to say. Or a voicemail at 773-417-6948. Okay, Esmeralda, are you, uh, are you ready for uh, the megaphone message? Mm-hmm. Okay. As always, I will play the megaphone message and then explain it. Okay? Okay. Here we go. Diane, stay out of the cookies. They're mine. Diane, stay out of the cookies. They're mine. Yeah. Diane... Stay out of the cookies. They're mine. Okay, so. Diane, stay out of the cookies. Right. They're mine. Diane. Okay, so that's. <laughs> that's my favorite part when you have to try to turn it off and it won't turn off. <laughs> I always hit the. And luckily, I didn't hit the siren this time and wake up the neighbors. Ooh. Or wake up Carrie Russell, who's sleeping in Caro syrup on the porch right now. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that's a little self explanatory, right? Um. Yes. Although it does sound. Like a movie quote. It's not. No? Okay. It's not. Um, Rick is married to a woman named Diane, and she mm-hmm. always eats the cookies when he's not home. Mm. I like that the, the last few have been of people chastising people. <laughs> Isn't that weird? And that's by coincidence. By the way, I still have a few more of these, but, uh, but we can, you know, listen, don't be hesitant about giving me a goofy, stupid-ass message to say into the megaphone because oh, we have yeah. a blast with this. I've got a Whatever few Whatever you want him to say. <laughs> <laughs> I will say quotes from movies. It doesn't matter. You want me to chastise somebody. You want me to throw out some rules. That's fine. Send me yeah. an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. But, yeah, you're right, and this isn't by coincidence. I'm just going in order in which yeah. I received them. and just Yeah, you got just, a secret you, you can't got... <laughs> say. Give it to Nick. That's right. That's exactly right. Because uh, it won't be you saying it. That's Nick right. Nick will be saying and, it. And, you know, after I, say, after I say it, it'll just God be. God damn it, Nick. It won't be your fault. It'll be mine. Got some hot gossip? <laughs> Give it to Nick. <laughs> I am the gossip man. That's me. And I you know the... you could. I mean, in some, you can figure it out if you want to, but you could be anonymous. Just yeah, don't send be. us, like, yeah. murder, murder Right, right. I'm going, to kill my, I'm going to kill my husband next week. Here's like, oh, how. Boy. I would like you to say, <laughs> please drink the tea I made for you, honey. It might taste funny, but it's really good. So anyway, oh, no. um, this was a, a note from Rick who said that like he gets home from work sometimes. He works overnights. Mm-hmm. He gets home from work, and sometimes all he wants is, all he wants is a, a chip, chip Ahoy. 
he wants some chips ahoy. That's all. And a lot of times he gets home and uh, and Diane eats them and, and has eaten Aww. the chips ahoy. So he wanted well, me to. He wanted maybe me to, he needs to Diane, hide them. Stay out of the cookies. They're mine. That's what he wanted. Diane, me. stay right. out of the cookies. So anyway, uh, yeah. So Rick, yeah, he should get his own like stash and hide them, right? You know, I mean, that's a lot, but you know, yeah. But anyway, that's what he wanted. He wanted me to tell Diane to stay out of the cookies because it's his. All right, it, Diane, you know, stay okay. out of the cookies. Yeah, they're his. According to him in the email, I'm not going to read the whole email, but <laughs> he says in the email. But I like how he's now just ownership. Like, he's just completely, like, they're my cookies. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's in the email, and I'm not going to read the whole email, but in the email at one point he says, it's one of the few joys I have in my life. Oh, God. What if, what if, um, <laughs> see, now I'm trying to think of solutions. What if you bought two packages of cookies? Yeah, two. One for Diane and, and one, one for, for you. yourself. Right. I, I, I don't know. I'm thinking uh, divorce is heading. In, uh, in I the mean, if that's one of the few. I know that's what I'm saying. One of the life. one of the few. Yikes! Yeah, one of one of the few. One of the few. Uh, one of the few uh, joys of uh, of like. I think he's this guy. So anyway, that's your megaphone message for the for the week for the week. All right. Very nice. Well, now we've had a couple of uh, you know personal stories about weird uh, parenting, and it's not. And, and again. I don't want to say weird because it's different parenting. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. Dan's parents aren't weird. You know what I mean? Like, they, they wanted to use a cheaper Bisquick, and they grew up eating caro syrup. Uh, oh, yeah, I that think... one I don't. The Bisquick bit is fine. You probably, yeah. because you saw the package, you then yes. had it in your head. Right. But the caro syrup, I don't, I don't know about that one. Yeah. But, but again, <laughs> that's not weird. That's not patently weird. You know what I mean? Mm. It's different. Like giving giving water to a kid instead of Kool Aid's not weird. That's just something that no, those yeah, do. that's just them okay. probably being healthy. But you know, like breastfeeding someone till they're three is a little weird. I couldn't tell you. I have no. I wasn't breastfed whatsoever. Yeah, neither was I. I was. Uh, I was bottle. I was bottle. Fed. Yeah, same. Um, Mia Bialik breastfed her son past the age of three. She thinks the children should have a say in when it comes to deciding when to stop and when to wean. I mean, it's supposed to be good for him. I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a little weird for a three-year-old to... I, I, and again, I, again, I'm not a parent. Maybe I shouldn't even have an, an opinion on this, but just my... Can they even talk yet? I don't know what a three? three-year-old does. Yes, a, three -year yes, a three-year-old can talk. <laughs> I don't know what they do. Yes, a three-year-old can talk. Yes, they can. What time I feel do they start walking? Uh, probably 18 months, maybe. What does that mean? Don't don't do the months thing. I You're hate that. that. I know, me too. Well, this is this is why we're not three months. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Exactly, Esmeralda. Exactly. You're making me do math. You don't know how how many years your dumb kid know, is. Like... I just want to know how old your dumbass kid is. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's 63 months old. Shut the. I was fuck. like, why did I ask? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Well, and, and again, I don't know. Okay, and some people who are parents are probably listening to this, going, "It's perfectly healthy and fine to have a three year old uh, breastfeed." Okay, I, mean, I don't still know. Like baby, not baby yeah. babies, but they're still fairly like. Yeah, but they're talking, and they're you know what I mean. Like, I think it. I'm not. If I'm not mistaken, I started reading at four. If my my parents. Oh told well, me, look at you. I started. Genius. Yeah. I, I, no, 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 no. I'm a shit. You know, I'm a shithead. I'm an idiot. But but I did start reading at a really young age, and my mom maintains that I was like four when I started reading. 
And well, so that's, then here's this. When did it all go downhill? That's what I'm saying. Uh, around, <laughs> I think it all went down. I think it all went downhill around 11. That was probably you were when on it all quite went. a trajectory. It seems I was. I was. Yeah, it all went downhill at some point. Um, yeah. Damn. <laughs> I don't know, but it went downhill pretty quick. Um, I mean, but, whatever. The kid doesn't know. No, I you, listen. He's here's a, the thing. He's still it, like to me. That's like you're still a baby. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I you know, and again, I'm I don't have kids, and I know that there are probably you know parents who are listening, going, Nick, you don't know what you're talking about, and it's true, I don't. But uh, my immediate response is to uh, a three year old breastfeeding. Weird. Sorry. I think it's weird. Also, don't people? I mean, I'm I'm sure what she means is she literally is like child to teat but like you can also just like put those things on where it just pulls the milk out like you're a damn yeah milking machine cow. yeah the, the mil- yeah the, yeah 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 those things are i bet those things are pleasant and man shove it in a bottle do you know like, um do you know that uh uh, uh what's her name Kristen bell um mm-hmm. as she was in a movie that dax directed dax shepherd directed her husband mm-hmm SWAT. He directed the movie version of SWAT with him and Michael Pena, which was terrible. Mm-hmm. But she played like the um, the femme fatale sort of hot villain in it. Oh, okay. And Dax wanted her tits to be big, <laughs> you know. And she did too. She's like, okay, I think yeah, that would be hilarious because Kristen Bell is not known for gigantic tits, you know. Right. And so she was um, lactating because she had just had a kid. And so she she went without using the pump for like three days Ugh. and said it was the most pain she'd ever been in in her life. And she did it just so she could have giant tits for the movie. So if you watch SWAT, there's a scene God, where couldn't she, she just get a push up bra. Dang. And, and, da- <laughs> and, and by the way, Dax was like, no, don't do that. And she's like, no, I want to do it. I, and, and he was, you Good know, like the Lord. husband, the director, you know, the guy, the man who like likes big tits. Was like no, don't do that. And she's like, no, I'll, I'm going to do it. It'll be, it'll be, it'll, it'll, it'll freak everybody out because it'll be clearly like they'll be my tits. They won't be fake, right? And so, and there is a scene where it's startling to see Kristen Bell come out of a swimming pool in a bikini with gigantic tits. I was like, whoa! And then I read how she did it. She did not use her breast pump. And <laughs> and and uh, whenever I tell that story to women who have uh, have had ha- had children and breastfed. They immediately go, oh, my God. They, like, scream about how much pain it must be in. They must be in. So, yeah. Yeah, because so, yeah. you're like one of them cows. Yeah, you're all backed up. And she was like, <laughs> I think she went three days. I remember telling Mary Vandevelt that story, uh, and she was like, what? She started screaming. You know Mary. She just started <laughs> screaming God, about how insane that is and how crazy she was, and I would never do that for my husband and all that stuff. But yeah, she did not use the breast pump for three days just so she could have gigantic uh, breast. I'm just like, I'm just like, there's so much advancement in like how to fake that. that I know. (laughs) I know. She's like, she was like, you know, and people were saying, why didn't you just CGI it? And she's like, it was a low budget movie and I didn't want my husband to have to spend money on CGI. I'll just. Or else you you could just get some like push up things. That's exactly right. Chicken cutlets. Exactly. Get the the liver cutlets and stick them in. And you know what I mean? Good Lord. No, she had. If you, when you right. see the movie, when you see the movie, and you go, "Oh my God, Kristen Bell, where did those come from?" They came from not using the breast pump. That's, that's she is a a method, method actor. <laughs> she should have I been guess. nominated instead of Andrea Riceboro. <laughs> right? Hey, by the way, how about that, Esmeralda? How about that? Yeah, look at you. Maybe, maybe you're uh... man. 
I, little I, bit I, of whatever feel, you were campaigning I, for. Worked. Personally, I feel responsible. I think it's me and Edward yeah. Norton. I think me and Edward Norton are responsible mm-hmm. for Andre Riceborough. I think I was, more maybe Edward Norton, but you know. Uh, yeah, and uh, and you know Charlize Theron and Kate Blanchett and uh, and you Gwyneth had, Paltrow you know, and you know all those other actors and actresses who. But and um, I I literally Esmeralda I screamed while I was watching it on the laptop. <laughs> Like when she got when they announced her name, I went. Ah! I did. Oh, I actually did this. Wow! I did the thing. I did that. I'm not kidding. I'm sure she did too. Yeah, she oh, might have so, felt. It's she so, might have felt you scream as well. It's so good, but now there's like a backlash because why? Well, because and this is a legitimate complaint because the hashtag Oscar so white. Um, Viola Davis and Danielle Detweiler didn't get nominated and. No women of color are, are nominated, and like they're bitching, and a lot of people are targeting Andrea Riceborough, which is of course ridiculous. What's the? Uh, is it Best Actress? Yeah, Best Actress. And uh, Viola Davis did not get nominated for The Woman King. A lot of people thought she would. And Danielle Dightweller did not get nominated for Till, and a lot of people thought she would. And everybody is blaming Anna De Armas in Blonde um, because nobody thought she should have been nominated. And people are blaming Andrea Riceboro <laughs> because nobody knows who she is and nobody's heard of the movie. And well, what about Michelle like, Williams in well, that there movie you go. that looks that's, terrible? This is what I'm saying. And uh, that's absolutely my point, Esmeralda, is if you're going to go after, and I don't think you should go after anybody. And I'm not Why saying Why are they that, going uh, after just them two, though? That's well, weird. Well, because nobody expected them to get nominated. They were like the surprise nominees. In other words, those two women took, took the slots from the two black women who everybody expected to be nominated. You know what I, I mean? mean, they should blame whoever's voting, I guess. Yes. And what they're like, well, it's this, you know, this white woman uh, who had a whole bunch of, ri- you know, she paid for an, uh, uh, a campaign led by white people, which is not true at all. None of that is true. I mean, if you're going to and, and on top of that, the other thing is the, the, the other thing is that people are like kind of like not talking about is that she fucking mm-hmm. deserves the nomination. And quite frankly, right. she deserves the nomination more than Viola Davis does. She does. <laughs> And, 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 you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that there is lack of diversity. Obviously, there is. And that there's racism rampant in Hollywood. And that, yes, it's ridiculous that no women of color were nominated. And that a lot of people of color were not nominated in other categories. I'm not saying that systemic racism doesn't exist. I'm just saying that you're blaming the wrong person. You know? Right. You're blaming the wrong person. Because you know what? She gave the best performance of the year. And the awards are supposed to go to people who give great performances. And she did that. So. Do they but even... She's, you know. So, is it always five? Yeah. The only thing that varies, the only number that varies is picture. Okay. They, you can like, go up to... There's like 20 million movies in yeah. this best picture. Yeah, and they, they, and they started doing that. It was, five, it was for many, for almost ever, it was five nominees in every category, including picture. Right. But they upped it, and I think it was 2008, they upped mm-hmm. it to 10. You can go as much as five to 10. And the reason they did that was because a lot of people weren't going to movies, and they wanted to bring people back. So they nominated mm-hmm. more movies in order to bolster box office. And that's why they've been doing it. All right. Since. And it's odd, too, because there are 10 Best Picture nominees, only five directors. So apparently, you know, five of the movies weren't directed <laughs> by somebody. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, because you would think if the movie is good enough to be nominated for Best Picture, then the You would think director. Best Director, yeah, of course. Yeah, that only makes sense. But, uh, but targeting oh, well. and going and, and making Andrea Riceboro the scapegoat is infuriating. Quite frankly, I mean, it is. that's just weird. It is. She weird. didn't it's, ask it's, to be nominated. No, she got nominated. You know why? Because a bunch of her peers, because uh, as well, you know this, that in the nomination process, 
editors nominate editors, cinematographers nominate mm-hmm. cinematographers, actors, directors, they nominate each other. The only thing that everybody votes on in the nominations is picture. So people, her peers nominated her. Like the actors who saw the performance and went, oh my God, she's the best of us. She needs to be nominated. That's mm-hmm. how it happened. It's not a conspiracy. There wasn't some sort of, you know, she did not like fund a campaign to get this done. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to bitch about anybody, if you're going to do it, if you're going to kind of bitch about it, you brought it up, Michelle Williams, who's terrible in The Fablemans, who, by the way, it, that's, she's, you know, that, and that is the whitest movie of the year. <laughs> you know what I mean? That movie looks, I watched that trailer, and I was just like, what am I even it's watching? It's terrible. It's a terrible <laughs> like... movie. And it's got a big studio behind it. Spielberg directed it. And nobody's complaining about Michelle Williams. Everybody's going after a woman who was in a movie that cost $150,000 that was shot in 19 days. Yeah, that you know what I mean, and she and it's the best work that any actor did this year, and people are bitching about it because and and justifiably so they're bitching about the fact that women of color were not in the category, and I understand that, and that's a legitimate complaint. But you're aiming your anger at the wrong person, man. So anyway, uh, sorry, I got off on a tangent there, <laughs> but I'm just very excited that Andrea Riceboro got nominated, and now there's this whole cloud over it. You go on mm. social media, people are bitching about it. Like, who is she? Blah, blah, blah. And 90% of the who people... Who is bitch- she? <laughs> no, seriously, they don't even know who the fuck she is. You know? And, and, and people have not seen the movie. The thing that's infuriating to me is that the people who are doing the bitching have not seen the goddamn movie. And when they see the movie, hopefully they'll go, oh my God, I should shut up because she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... Anyway. We shall see when yeah. the Oscars... March 12th. March 12th, which is so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like Isn't the old it days now. Usually in February. Well, yeah, and and you know what? Now that now that things are starting to get back to normal and people are going to movies and movies are being released, now we're getting back to the regular schedule: the announcement at the end of January and the awards at the beginning of March. That's how it used to be a years hmm. ago, huh. and then then they shortened it because the movie, the way people were going and COVID and all that stuff over the past few years, they've kind of changed it. But now we're back to the old timetable of the eighties and seventies and nineties. Got so, it. Yeah. All right, weird parents. You got any uh, any other ones that pop out for you here about weird parenting in this uh, article about the celebrities being weird? Um, I I wouldn't expect anything different from Tilda Swinton, but well, she shared her bed with her twins when they were eleven, which I'm assuming like they all slept in the same bed, like yeah. starting from when they went to yeah. sleep. I it wasn't be, like oh they came the, in and like there is a there is I don't know what it's called but there that's a that's a that's a practice that uh, that's a parenting practice that people abide by like this sharing the bed. I mean they're they're eleven whatever. <sighs> yeah, I mean Tilda Swinton is is uh, I, I love Tilda Swinton more than anybody else in the world I think, <laughs> and I expect her, I expect her to be weird and which is one of the things I love about her is that she is weird. And, you know, what if they want to sleep in the bed till they're 11? I don't know. But have you seen the movie, Esmeralda, have you ever seen the movie Away We Go with um, um, Maya, yes. Maya Rudolph yes. and John Krasinski? Do you remember the, the whole sequence with uh, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, and her husband who sleep in the bed with their and make love in the bed with their kids in the bed with Ew. them? See, you don't no, remember that scene? You don't remember that? No, no they don't show it. Gross. They don't show it in the movie. They don't show it in the movie. Right. Discuss, no, I remember them it. like talking yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. And, they're, and at one point, they're in the bedroom having a discussion with a very uncomfortable Maya Rudolph uh, and John Krasinski. And they're in the bedroom laying there with their kids around them. And, I'm like, <laughs> 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 and that's the scene that ends. Remember, because they don't 
like they give her a gift. They show up with a gift and it's a stroller. And she's like, get it out of here. I don't put babies in strollers. You remember? Oh, that? maybe she's like she's like um, Spider Man over here. Yeah, treating that, yeah, his kid exactly. like adults. Like, like, yeah, like we were talking about Tobey Maguire in the last <laughs> no episode. No we strollers. Were but she's like, you, you're pushing your child away. I do not get that thing out of here. And she wanted the she she made them put the baby stroller on the porch, and then mm-hmm. after they're having this horrible dinner with these horrible people, John Krasinski loses his shit. And brings in the stroller and puts their kid in it. Remember? And he starts running around pushing the kid in the stroller. It's fantastic. That movie, by the way, if anybody has not seen that movie, Away We Go. Dave Eggers wrote it. Uh, um, and it's, it's an amazing, amazing movie. Uh, an, an amazing movie. Um, and that's one of those movies where, um, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, Esmeralda, but like fictional couples that you wish were real. Mm, mm-hmm. I, John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph, in that, one of my favorite movie couples of all time. One of my favorite movie love relationships ever is the two of them in, in Away We Go. I love them so much, and I love them as a couple. Like, I'm watching, and I'm like, man, I wish they were together. I really wish in real life. But, you know, she's, <laughs> she's with Paul Thomas Anderson, and he's with Emily Blunt, right. so they're, they're fine. They're doing fine. <laughs> so. By the way, uh, Tilda Swinton's kids are 25 now, yeah. and they seem to be perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> And they're twins. Do they look like Tilda? Do they have crazy hair and uh, shit? No. Do they look, do they look like David no. Bowie? They don't look like David Bowie? <laughs> like no, Tilda? They, all, they all look quite normal. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think. They don't look like her. Yeah. Uh, I love I wouldn't, her, man. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't know that they were her kids. I love her. I just love her. Fucking weirdo. I love her. All right, one more here. Brad Pitt. How about that? Oh. Brad Pitt admitted that there were times when he had difficulty... Waking his children in the morning. His solution: give each one of the kids a can of Coke to get them going. <laughs> Good lord! See, that's what my parents. I used to drink Coke all the time. When see, I'm also there. like, is this part of like why they won't let you see your kids, man? Like <laughs> you're giving them cans of Coke in the morning. Good like lord. he 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 gives a kid a bunch of Cokes and stuff, and then uh, Angelina comes down from the bedroom, like, what the fuck did you give the kids? They're jumping around, running Jesus. around. Jesus. Like <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just like. Instead, don't give them coffee. It's bad for them. Yeah, just right. give them a Coke. Give them a it's Coke. It's the same thing. And and at one point, didn't he and Angelina? Didn't he and Angelina have forty-seven kids at one point? I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> can you yeah. imagine a bunch? Because they had kids that were like babies and toddlers and mm-hmm. young children. There were like ten of them in the house. Can you imagine Brad Pitt waking up like five o'clock in the morning, giving a twelve-pack of Coke to a bunch of uh, like twenty-five Goodness kids? Gracious. <laughs> Uh, I hope their teeth are good. Yeah. Well. Because I just imagine, like, teeth falling just out. drinking Coke and not brushing their right. teeth. <laughs> right. Hey, speaking of teeth, let's move on to some Kit Kats. How, you see the segue? Oh, wow. So our teeth can run. <laughs> exactly. Oh, who cares at this point? At this point, shit. Well, anyway, we're taste testing some Asian Kit Kats. Yes. Uh, these are the famous Kit Kat candy bars, which are fantastic but these are all weird different kind of flavors from around uh asia and i have kit kat white and milk tea which has like a what what, what is the design here tea. it's like tea but there's like a plaid design on the yeah so yeah. it's just i mean it's just tea with milk okay. essentially and, and do you have the same ones are we taste testing the same ones? yes yes okay, so which one do you want to try first the white or the milk tea uh let's 
have some tea. Let's have some tea. All right, let's have some tea. <laughs> All right. I don't want tea. tea. I, want a, can of, I, want, a, a... I want a can of Coke, Dad. I want a can of Coke, not tea. <laughs> uh, by the way, I do like that there is a teapot on it, and it yeah. says tea time for you. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and then also what I think is cute on all of these, um, they have on the back, it says have a break, have a Kit Kat, and then there's a little square, a little grid where you're supposed to like yes. draw something. Well, that, and then you're supposed to well, post it on. No, 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 no. That's to tell you where to break them. That's to. What? No, that's to draw. <laughs> no, do I you think not it's... see the little pencil on this? I do. Yeah, but no, but that's where. I, that's that, a straight grid. Why would? How would you break? I think that's. I think that's meant to show you where you can break the the, the into no, two. No, it is. Okay, it's that's not. what I thought it was. Speaking of it's speaking of draw, Kit-Kat, I don't think so because you can't draw on this. It's plastic. You can't draw on it. You, that's that's their whole thing behind that, though. All it's right. to draw. All right. I think not, it's, how I think would it's, that even work? You, it's you, a grid. No, but I think that line where they have the thing pointed. What is, line? There's a bunch of lines. Well, the big thick line where it's where the pen is pointing down at, that lines up to where you would perfectly break it into two, where the Kit Kat would break into two. Okay, that's just a that's just a line to delineate the grid. Yeah, I think it's. I personally think it's where you break the Kit Kat into. Okay, well, you're wrong. So, all right. <laughs> all right, well, let's try this. Tea time. Tea time. Here we go. Mm. I don't... Mm. What? Yeah, I don't like that. It doesn't particularly taste like tea, I guess. Really? I get a very tea. Yeah. I don't know. I get a very strong tea flavor. Uh, there's more of a tea... For me, there's more of a cream flavor which has a bite of, of uh, a little bit of tea afterwards like not when i first when i first bit into it it was just cream for me so i don't know oh yeah i don't not like a fan. that not a fan the tea for me is very strong have a can of coke call up brad pitt get a can of coke yeah i'm right. the... let's try white okay or hashtag, this one... or hashtag oscar so <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming this is just white chocolate. Uh, that would be my guess, yes. All right. Or yeah. milk. I don't know. Mm. Okay. Is it just white chocolate? It's white chocolate. Yeah. And there's mm. something with... I'll tell you, though, the, the wafers have a flavor to them. They're not regular wafers. Oh, yeah. Like they're vanilla? Really they taste like those those wafer cookies. What are they called? Which one? Those wafers, mm. they're like they look. Yeah, I know what you mean. The like little the wafers stacked with the, with the cream in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's what that reminds me of. Okay, I didn't hate the tea time. That was okay. I uh, didn't but, care for it. But the white, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Which is why I liked Andre Riceboro. In that. <laughs> 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 so. This All one, right. I I enjoy I like white chocolate. I do too. I love it, it. It can get a little um, too much, but these are perfect because they're like tiny little Kit Kats. Yeah, they're just little Kit Kats, little teeny uh, fun size Kit Kats. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, no on the tea and yes on the white in the Asian Kit yes. Kat taste test. All right, cool. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> All right, cool. And I'm going to post a picture of this back grid so everyone can see how <laughs> so wrong you are. So everyone can see Nick. how wrong I am. All right, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> 
All right. Well, listen, next time uh, we're on, my old friend Dmitry Samarov is going to be on. Nice. Um, uh, ex-cab driver, many, spent years on the, on, the, on the road driving a cab, wrote a book called Hack. Mm-hmm. Um, he is an incredible artist, a great writer, a critic, and an author. And uh, I haven't talked to Dmitry in a while, so Dmitry Samarov will be on the, on the podcast uh, on Tuesday. Cool. Lovely. All right, great. Well, listen, my thanks to uh, Joe Ahern for joining me to talk about his movie, The Disappearance of Tony Blackwood. Uh, Esmeralda, you rule the planet, as always. Oh, thanks. Uh, my thanks to the makers of Caro Syrup. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of really, like, just knocked them. We did, didn't we? <laughs> Uh, we we can never like use them as sponsorship by the way speaking of that if you want to be a sponsor on the show yeah unlike caro syrup caro syrup you can (laughs) sales at radiomisfits.com you want to be a part of the podcast voicemail 773-417-6948 with anything you want to say 24 7 email nickdpodcast at gmail.com with anything you want to say and a megaphone message jason skaggs rules thank you for that for all the themes and uh, ed and radiomisfits.com and we'll talk to you next time on the nick d uh, podcast right here on radiomisfits.com. The wind is red on